we have liftoff. Fantastic. Well, um, delighted to welcome you all to um, Judges on Fire, uh, an introduction podcast to some of our amazing judges at the Tech Trailblazers. And I'm delighted that today I'm being joined from Singapore by an old friend of mine and an old college friend of mine, Justin Lodge. Hello, Justin. Hi, Rose. Great to be here. Fantastic. It was great to have you here. You've been involved with the Tech Trailblazers right from the beginning. And obviously we've known each other for a, for a long time because we actually were at the same university together. We used to hang out, uh, which is lovely to then also have an opportunity to work with you uh, as our paths crossed again in the world of tech. So um, for the people who don't know you, if you could give us just a little bit of an overview of you know, who you are and how you've ended up where you are and what you're doing now. So I'm Justin Lodge. I'm working for a very large banking institution in uh, Singapore. I've worked in technology pretty much since I've been 16 years old when I first did my first programming gig before I met Rose. And um, since then, I got a master's degree in engineering from Aston University, where I hung out with Rose a lot. It was fantastic. And then I went off to do software engineering. And then at the ripe old age of 25, I went consulting and started to travel the world and and um, ended up working for a very large bank in Luxembourg, um, then moved across to New Zealand um, and worked um, in telecommunications, uh, banking again, um, and some government institutions in Wellington in New Zealand, um, and even did a gig representing Cisco out in Tahiti, in French Polynesia. So I've, you know, I've done a wide variety of careers. I'm with mostly about software development, application development in the very early days of um, Dynamic Systems Development Method in the very late 19, 1990s. And then all that agile kicked in. And then I moved across to Australia and ended up working on infrastructure. So 20 years of deep infrastructure experience um, in and around um, large data centers um, and then I ended up working for banks again. So here we are in Singapore and I'm working on at the moment, would you believe it, cloud. So that's where I'm at the moment. We're looking at what have we got to do to move to cloud like everybody else. So Digital transformation, don't we love it? Absolutely. The lift and shift. So great. Uh, so um... You might think it's lift and shift, but it isn't. <laughs> How do you describe it as? Uh, the money to be saved and the opportunities to really lift customer experience come through transformation. And that's what we get by going to the cloud. We get much more reliable, much more reliable. So it's not about so much the cost savings, but it's all about better customer experience, a lot higher reliability. And the cloud is more secure than your data center. So there's security involved. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, um, obviously you've been involved as a judge, um, which has been great right from the beginning. So we're in edition number nine. Um, and what kind of things that will be catching your eye? Because obviously you can look at all elements of infrastructure, which is very much where our startups live, whether that's security cloud, you know, you've talked mm. about developer and we have a developer category about tools that help developers. So. What kind of things are you particularly excited about seeing this year? Or what's going to catch your attention? Um, I've seen some technology recently, which has um, 
the biggest area where we're, we're really trying to make a difference is not so much is, is in customer experience, but it's also about data. And it's also about understanding the data. So big data is, uh, is, is you know, I've been doing big data for years before it was big data. I mean, and, and it's like that area of data quality and being able to produce um, actionable insights in a very short amount of time is really beginning to flow through. And I've seen some Israeli technology, which is very, very interesting because your biggest problem in ingesting data is the fact that it's all a mess when you get it and nothing matches between different systems. And some of this Israeli technology has got the AI built into it. That means you can ingest data without having to do the um, extract, transform, load processes on the front. And so that's what I'm looking for this year is I'm looking for some really interesting bits of um, ability to be able to produce fast, actionable insights without having to spend six months trying to work out what the hell the data looks like in the first place. Well, yeah, so a, a discovery and a quick rate that you can move things. Yeah, those, those kind of technologies are really making a difference to our businesses and they're also making a difference to IT. I mean, Splunk has been around quite a few years now and there's lots of people that now have to do logging, but being able to understand what's going on and intelligently manage that is, is cutting edge um, so that you can be ahead of the curve when things aren't going well. No, I'm sure we'll see some very interesting things. And we have had a lot of Israeli submissions in the past, as well as obviously a lot from um, Silicon Valley and um, from Europe. So I'm sure we'll have quite a, an interesting variety for you to, to have to peek at over the coming weeks and months. Um, so what sort of advice would you get? Because obviously people only have so much within the entry sort of process to kind of wow and we look at a number of different elements. I mean, obviously, we want to look at innovative technology because that's what we're looking to the startup world for, stuff that perhaps you may not be seeing in some of the larger incumbents. Um, we're also looking for that sort of agility. I would imagine a lot have been pivoting over the last few months as, as the, the world has changed considerably. And obviously, technology has been an element within that. And also how they're engaging with the market and how their their market adoption is going. But what's particularly of interest for you to to be shown about what evidence are you looking for? I'm looking for people that understand what the problem is that they're trying to solve for their customers and properly articulating that because um, there seems to be, particularly in the tech space in security, that there's this assumption that um, the people that you're selling to actually understand the security space. And that isn't really true, for example. There are lots of people who um, want to upgrade cybersecurity, for example. Um, and they need to understand the story behind the product about why is what's the purpose of the product in terms of what it's there to do. And then it's like, that's the why, the what, and the how. And that's what I'm looking for. If you've got a coherent story, and that they know what their audience is. They know the segment that is going to be really interested in buying it. That, that really helps me to understand, is that product a good fit? What's it going to achieve? Um, and over the years, I've read many, many entries where um, I'm not sure the PR person that wrote the entry actually understood what is the tech that trying to sell. And um, that storytelling piece is why you, Rose, are so good at your job, which is why I admire you. You. I really appreciate that. Um, 
Right, well, let's go, go away and blush for a little bit now, but let's let's move on to the next sort of set of, of things. I mean, from your perspective, what has been um, defining your success and what, what sort of startup technology have you found useful that, that you think has kind of driven you to have an interest in that sort of world because i know you you've you've worked for a startup in the past haven't you and you have a or you were going to do i think no i've 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 looked at it a few times um but it all depends what you mean by startup you know it's series a series b series you know there, there's a whole bunch of different phases that, that they go through so i've definitely been involved in ideation the current financial institution i work for runs an entire venture capital um arm and we have a whole set of criteria about what we do for fintechs and how we spin them out and how we do joint ventures. And so, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for in the, my experience of understanding how the financial institution where I work, how they operate. Um, it's really interesting about the survival of the fittest and how that, you know, you know, sometimes we'll run an entire set of ideation processes and there might be close to close to 50 60 ideas and two will get picked right and what makes the difference is the team all right because you need the visionary but you also need the tech guy you need, you need a, a combination of the team approach to be able to give a good rounded story so everybody understands the different facets and be able to sell it properly and so that's that's really how i'm looking it's like if i can see that multiple people have put their input in and then that's the, and they know what they're doing. And then that's that's the bit about the story that really makes it fly. And so I can then say, well, that product I can buy that, right? Because it will fit here, right? Matter. So there's something new that's coming in this year, which you've not experienced before with Tetrabolis, because nobody has. So I'm not sure if I've spoken to you about this as yet, but. Um, when we get the shortlist for each category, we're also going to invite all of the shortlisted companies to do a lightning talk because now everybody's comfortable with doing stuff over the likes of video conferencing like we're doing here. So they'll get an opportunity for one of their technologists or one of their visionaries to share those visions for, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes maximum to just give you a sense of it which hopefully will kind of lift things a little bit out of where the entry submissions are a little bit and it obviously you guys do do your due diligence you'll go and have a look at the websites you might look at a white paper or view some video yeah but every single website to sit like you know judging it's like you know spend quite some time trying to understand what the pitch is why it's working how that's going to work you know so i did yeah i do the research yeah. So hopefully the lightning, the lightning talk will also give you an insight into those sort of five to seven mm. sort of final contenders as well. So yeah. yeah, so that's something to look out for in October. So um, sort of on a more personal level, uh, we like to sort of ask a few sort of questions, which is, and this is a kind of a fun one. Um, what superhero would you be? Oh. That's a fun one. I was going to say Muttley when it came to, but he's not. <laughs> I used to be able to do his laugh. Well, I can do a Scooby Doo, but I can't do a Muttley. Um, but that was close to a Muttley, to be honest. That was quite close to a Muttley. 
Um, so yeah, that, he was my kind of my superhero when I was probably two and a half, three years old. So um, I remember, I remember quite vividly. So when you look at superheroes, I no, no I don't really have one. Muttley, let's stick with Muttley. I think Muttley is a fantastic choice. I absolutely adore Muttley. So uh, yeah, I can't can't question that one at all. And um, sort of looking into the future, I mean, obviously technology is having impacts across all aspects, and you on a day-to-day basis are working with the subject, what's happening behind the scenes for a lot of businesses. Um, but what technology are you anticipating will be coming to the fore over the next, say, five, maybe 10 years that's going to have a huge impact that you may be looking forward to see? So this is perhaps some of those sci-fi things which were so accurate in the 1950s that might actually happen. So what I'm looking forward to in... Uh, is the lower Earth orbit satellite systems that Elon Musk is putting up? I think it's called Starlink. I'm not quite. I don't remember quite what he calls it, but it um, it has the opportunity to produce massive disruption in people's ability to get internet services without government censorship. That's going to have massive political ramifications, but it's also going to provide massive opportunities for things like digital currencies. Um, and uh, a lot of the financial institutions are they're very keen on, 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 on dabbling in the edges at the moment, um, and, and some are going more than that. And so I think the combination of uh, digital assets, Bitcoin, those kind of things, um, you know, distributed ledgers, um, they're all going to have a massive disruptive influence on how people manage their money and become sovereign so that they can... They effectively can choose what it is that they do and don't declare themselves about how they operate financially. So there's a whole bunch of different aspects to disruption in the financial industry, in governments, um, and of all different things that, that get facilitated by that base capability of being able to put up an internet connection anywhere on earth that isn't regulated by somebody else. Right. That's not to say you're not under surveillance, because we all are, <laughs> some way or another. But it does. It, it, the democratization of the internet is really going to become key, I think, for that ability. And let's not just let's not just uh, say there's Elon Musk doing that. There is a number of other companies that are working very hard to try and do similar things. So, I think to me that's the big disruption. You know, is the is the fact that. Um, governments will no longer be able to control what people can and cannot do. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to provide massive opportunity for all. Well, that's pretty disruptive. That's pretty disruptive. So you've chosen a really no key one, like, you know, autonomous cars. The way people do business in the future is going to be massively changed by not having to be tethered anymore. Right. Plus, you know, it's going to cost Elon Musk about $10 billion to get this network up and going and running globally. Um, and it's going to reduce the network latency time between London and New York. So specifically Slough and New Jersey, which is where all the world's biggest transaction engines run for all the stock market transactions. So it's going to shave 25 milliseconds um, off the round trip time on latency. So Elon Musk will make his money back pretty much within 12 months, if not quicker, on his $10 billion investment. 
um, in terms of what additional business that they can facilitate through those low latency connections. So, you know, there's another disruption to it. I'm really looking forward to it. Ah, what's the timeline on that? Well, um, you know, everything's moved around a little bit with um, C19, but he was saying that he would, he, by the end of this year, he was going to have North America up and operational with this. Now, there's been a whole bunch of changes in and around that. They've had a change of management. They've, what else has been going on? Oh, yes. They had a long discussion with astronomers about the fact that satellites are really reflective and it's causing a real problem. So um, there's, they're, they're looking at what they've got to do to cope these satellites with a different um, paint, right? That is going to make sure that um, the satellites don't reflect as much. So um, the astronomers are nice. So, they, you know, they've got ecological things in mind, but while they're doing that, it slows them down. So. I don't know if they're going to make their date at the end of this year to have North America live, but certainly by the end of 2021, they'll be global everywhere apart from Antarctica because there's no customers down there. And, you know, they're talking about... I don't know. Penguins have got a fair bit of Bitcoin tucked away here and there. <laughs> yes. No, I just care. <laughs> I think that I think there's... Oh, you know, it's only going to be 5 or $10 a month and, you know, you, 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 you connect it, so... Oh, well, something to, to maybe catch up on once that's going going live and, and you can hear a difference there. Cool. Well, um, I think that's pretty good. Is there anything that you've not been asked that perhaps you'd like to share with people that you think would be beneficial for people who are looking to enter this year? Apart from, of course, do it, because obviously that's important, but you can't be included. Uh, with you to I, I think... Be really good at the storytelling. That's that's what I'm looking for because that helps me understand where the product fits and that how viable it's going to be. Oh, brilliant. Ooh. Fantastic. Well, the, the night is drawing in there in Singapore. So thank you so much, Justin. It's wonderful to catch up with you uh, anyway, but it's great to hear uh, more about what you've been up to and looking forward to for this year's awards. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for the Judges of the Fire. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, one little last thing. I'd like to let everybody know that my opinions are my own. They've got nothing to do with my employer. And I really appreciate the opportunity here, Rose. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Justin. Have a lovely evening. I look forward to catching up with you very soon. Cheers.